Welcome to the Spiritual Advantage Podcast, where we discuss how to make a maximum impact with our lives by fulfilling our divine dreams with divine favor, like the great men and women of faith throughout history. I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world, and I am the Keeper. No pun intended. Let's begin. Zhuangzi, the ancient Taoist sage, told this classic fable. Once upon a time, a monkey keeper was in charge of feeding the monkeys twice a day. He told the monkeys, I will feed you three chestnuts in the morning and four in the evening. All the monkeys got angry and protested noisily. He responded, okay, okay, I will feed you four nuts in the morning and three in the evening. Then every monkey was happy with the new arrangement. End of story. When I first heard the story, it sounded ridiculous. I thought the monkeys were so stupid that the monkey keeper could easily manipulate them. It's the same number of nuts a day. What difference does it make? However, as I grew older, I realized that this classic story is classic for a reason. Many choices we make in life are just like the monkeys in the stories. It depicts the human nature. We often think we make the right choices, but from a higher perspective, we have made naive decisions. I believe our founding fathers saw this human problem and design the republic we have. Every two or four years, we have an election. During this time, people argue like crazy and choose a leader between Tweedledum and Tweedledee. The monkey keeper behind the scene must be laughing at us. During the COVID, some people thought the Pfizer vaccine was better and others insisted on taking only Madonna. Still, many others refused to get vaccinated. People from each group put down another for conspiracy theory. I think regular coffee is better, but my breakfast buddy thinks decaffeinated is healthier. When you go to the restaurants, the waiter will come with a regular coffee in one hand and decaffeinated in another, asking, regular or decaf? But recently I discovered that most restaurants actually put decaf coffees in bold pots to avoid liability because some people are sensitive to caffeine. If you serve them wrong, they could develop severe symptoms. Nowadays, regular and decaffeinated coffees taste the same. You can't tell the difference anyway. No wonder I cannot keep myself awake after eating at a restaurant. In this case, the restaurants are playing just like the monkey keeper, giving us the same thing in different parts to make us happy and make them safe. Now, I feel this story keeps me humble because it's a parable about human nature. On the other hand, it also teaches us the wisdom of the monkey keeper who didn't insist on his way, but graciously accommodated the monkeys, even though they made irrational choices. 
Now the question is, how do we make the right choice every time? Psychologists and social scientists have discovered that most choices we make are emotional, not logical or rational. We justify our decisions only afterward with logic, as if we have made intelligent and informed choices. This scientific discovery reveals that most of us are trapped in our emotions, often unconsciously. Only those with a higher level of emotional intelligence or EQ can experience freedom from emotional trap. Still, emotions are only one of the traps that keep us from making conscious decisions. In today's scripture lesson, Jesus reveals five traps that keep us from making the right. Decisions. In fact, he said that if we can't overcome these five traps, we cannot become his disciples. So today, let us explore the freedom from the five traps, so that we can make wise choices. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world, and I'm the keeper. No pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest. So that God is glorified in you, and you are satisfied in God. The scripture lesson today is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter fourteen, verses twenty-five to thirty-three. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, "Whoever comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, and children." Brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation. And is not able to finish. All who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, "This fellow began to build and was not able to finish." Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with ten thousand to oppose the one who comes against him with twenty thousand? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Luke fourteen, twenty-five to thirty-three. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This passage begins by saying, "Now large crowds were traveling with him." And he turned and said to them, verse twenty-five. At one point in the Bible, we read that there were about five thousand people following Jesus. However, that number includes only men, so we can estimate that there could be over ten thousand people, if they count women and children. In this passage, Jesus wanted them to make sure they knew who they were following and whether they had made the right choice. Even though this passage is commonly known as the cost of discipleship, when we put it in the context and study it carefully, it's more about freedom 
than cost. It's costly only from the worldly perspective, but from a spiritual standpoint, it's freedom. For example, Paul said, I regard everything as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, Philippians 3.8. The word rubbish here is translated from a profane word in Greek, a four-letter word starting with S-H. For a disciple of Jesus Christ, everything is rubbish. Since everything is rubbish, it's not a cost but freedom to lose them. Who wants to cry over rubbish? Jesus wants to filter the crowd by ensuring they had the freedom from the rubbish to make the right choice in following him. Five traps keep us from making the right choices, and we must be set free from these traps. The first one is freedom from emotion. We are emotional creatures. There's nothing wrong with having emotions, but when it comes to making decisions, we cannot be emotional. Emotions are different from moods. Moods are internal, but emotion is social. For example, sometimes we make decisions to please our parents or impress our friends. Such are emotional decisions. That's why Jesus said, whoever comes to me does not hate father, mother, wife, and children, brothers, sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Verse 26, the word hate in the Hebrew language does not always mean hostility, but it implies lower priority. It's an expression with exaggeration. I mentioned previously that the Hebrews customarily use exaggerations for humor and emphasis in teaching to make it memorable. For example, God said, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. How could the God of grace hate anyone of his own creation? God does not literally hate Esau, but it just means he loves Jacob more than Esau because Jacob loved him more than everyone else. Unlike Esau, who exchanged his bright future for a bowl of soup, but Jacob did whatever it took to win God's inheritance. So when Jesus says that we must hate our relatives and even life itself, it means we must love him more than we love those. We must be free from emotional attachment when we make decisions, especially to follow him. Jesus himself practices what he teaches. He said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he says, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Matthew 12, 48 to 50. That means when it comes to making decisions, his emotional attachment to his family is secondary to the will of God. And he expects the same from you. Secondly, freedom from ego. Another trap that keeps us from making the right choices is our own ego. Emotions are social, but ego is personal. We often make decisions based on our ego, unknowingly, of course. 
We read in the Bible that some people followed Christ thinking they would sit on the right and left of Jesus Christ in his kingdom. Some people follow Christ to fulfill a selfish desire. So Jesus wants us to make decisions free from ego trapped. He says, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, what does carrying the cross mean? In another context, he said, if any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Luke 9:23. Here Jesus used carrying the cross as self-denier. Serve is ego. So denying self means denying ego. It's like nailing our ego on the cross. A cross is also a symbol of total humility. It's the most shameful thing to carry. So to carry the cross is to tame the ego and pride. Some people join the church because it's an honorable organization. So when they get arrested by the police, they could show them church membership to prove that they are good people. Many years ago, a man joined our church, and later I found out that he wanted to use church membership as leverage to win the custody battle. As soon as he got custody of his children, he disappeared. It's an abuse of discipleship, the opposite of carrying the cross. To carry your cross is to avoid abusing the eternal honor of discipleship for our temporal egoistic gain. Be free from the ego trap when deciding to follow Christ or making any choices for that matter. Thirdly, freedom from ignorance. After having freedom from emotion and ego, we become more objective in decision-making. But there's another trap of miscalculation due to ignorance. Then Jesus gives us an analogy about the third trap. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build but was not able to finish. Verses 28 to 30. Ignorance is a major human problem. A lot of wrong decisions are made out of ignorance. Ignorance can even make us commit murder. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he asked God to forgive them, saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Luke 23, 34. That means they crucified him out of ignorance, not innocence. To avoid ignorance, we must be awake, alert, and vigilant. Jesus has repeatedly warned us to be awake such as using the parable of the bridesmaids and faithful servants. One of my favorite verses from these parables is this, be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Luke 12, 35. Being dressed for action is easy, but getting the lamps lit means 
you need to have enough fuel to keep them lit, just like having enough resources to complete the tower. The fuel comes from the Word of God. It's wise to study the Bible, fill your fuel tank, and keep your lamps lit. Number four, freedom from short-sightedness. The trap of short-sightedness is similar to the trap of ignorance, but this one is more about not having the long view without realizing our decisions may have eternal consequences. Jesus said, Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If we cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for a terms of peace. Verses 31 to 32. The consequence of wrong decision by the king means his kingdom would cease to exist. He may never recover from that mistake. The key phrase here is still far away. Some decisions must be made long before the crisis. Some people try to dig a well only when they become thirsty. Some people follow Christ only when they are in trouble. Some people pray to God when they are in a crisis without realizing that prayer needs practice. Prayer can be like a well that must be dug before you are thirsty. Prayer is an intimate conversation with God. If you pray only occasionally, you will feel like talking to a stranger when you talk to God. How do you know what to say to someone who you haven't spoken with for a long time and suddenly ask him for help? It's wise to ally with the higher power before the crisis. Jesus told the parable of the rich man and Lazarus about the consequence of short-sightedness. The rich man made his decision after he died, but it was too late. So avoid the trap of short-sightedness. How do you do that? In this analogy, the king knows his own strength and the enemy's strength. He has 10,000 soldiers and his enemy has 20,000. That means he knows himself and his enemy very well. He has a good CIA department. As Sun Tzu said, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. To have a good spiritual CIA department, we must again study the Bible. As Paul said, we are in spiritual warfare, which means some of our decisions have eternal consequences. The good news is that the Bible has a secret for victory. Lastly, number five, freedom from possessions. Finally, Jesus shows us the last trap, but not the least. Freedom from possession doesn't mean you don't have any possessions at all, but that you are not possessed by your possessions. Just like freedom from emotional attachment with people, we also must avoid sentimental attachment with things. He says, so therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Verse 33, possession can become a serious trap. 
You might remember the story of the rich young ruler who came to ask Jesus how to attain eternal life. Jesus said that he must give up all his possessions and follow him. But he went away grieving because he had too many possessions to which he was deeply attached. Then Jesus says this famous line, Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 19, 24. Again, Jesus tells this Hebrew humor adorned with exaggeration to make it memorable of the fact that our possessions can possess us if we are not careful. It's a strong trap. There we have it, freedom from the five traps that keep us from making wise choices. Freedom from emotion, freedom from ego, freedom from ignorance, freedom from short-sightedness, and freedom from possessions. These are also some of the qualities of the disciples Jesus wants. However, don't be discouraged by the challenging requirements. He knows your weaknesses and helps you to grow these qualities when you follow him as your Lord and Savior. We know some of his disciples were not perfect either, but they grew into it as they know the truth. Jesus says that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. He also says that he is the truth. That means knowing him will set us free. Let us get to know him and let him prune and purify us into a fruitful vine. That's it for today. I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound happiness. Amen. Bye now. Thank you for listening. If you would like to maximize your life and leadership by unlocking your spiritual advantage, please feel free to direct message me on Twitter at Samuel Stone or visit SamuelStone.com. I'm looking forward to talking with you. See you on the next episode. Bye now.